0: Welcome back. You're watching Stockpix, and today we are in PagZita, Cop Agri, and CNS with Chantal Marks from FNB Wealth and Investments. Chantal, thank you so much for being with us today. It's always a pleasure.
1: Hi. Ah, yes, it's fabulous being with, with you as well, and I'm, I'm looking forward to covering some stocks that might have ended up in people's portfolios, mm-hmm. um, maybe in small quantities, and they don't really know what to do with it right now.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about why you have gone with these small caps as well. Uh, that's also uh, a leaning that we don't often uh, talk about.
1: Yes. So, I mean, these stocks were, all of them have one thing in common, and they were unbundled from bigger companies for a variety of reasons. And what made me think about this was Quilter's announcement yesterday that it's going to put out an odd lot offer to smaller shareholders. Quilter, of course, was unbundled from Old Mutual a few years ago. Um, and odd lot, odd lot holders are basically people who hold less than 100 or 200 shares, depending on how the company defines it. And a lot of us, have ended up being odd lots shareholders of some of these companies that we've received. Um, there are smaller companies. This is an area of the market that I am quite passionate about so I'm very excited to, to talk about them. Um, but the question is do you hold on to these? Do you increase your exposure or you just, do you just sell them to, to clean up your portfolio as part of your spring cleaning effort <laughs> here in September?
0: Very exciting stuff. Let's start off with Zita and Bundles from Barloworld. Uh, they do integrated mobility. It was a new term when I, I heard about it uh, from uh, the CEO Chantal, but I'm keen to get your thoughts uh, on this on this counter.
1: Yes. So so the main business is car rental and fleet management. So the car rental businesses we will know um, from when you get off at the airport and you need to take a drive somewhere, um, you will go into Avis or Budget. And those are the brands that um, are owned via a master licensing agreement with Avis Budget Group International by Zida. Um, car rental is such an exciting area at the moment in South Africa because we still have a recovery taking place in business travel and international travel and that's really where these guys do quite well in fleet management it will be corporate rentals or fleet solutions that they offer to to big corporates and government as well and that provides a really nice annuity income um that is a little bit less cyclical than the normal retail car rental business which will be subject to macroeconomic pressure and
0: um tourism uh trains mm-hmm. I must ask you about the post-listing performance of the stock. It was a bit of a dud, but I think with time, uh, there maybe have been more liquidity and maybe a slightly better performance. Uh, Chantal, what have you seen here?
1: Yes, it was exceptionally disappointing because when we heard about the unbundling, we actually valued the company as a standalone entity. And at the time, we had a fair value for the company prior to listing because you don't know how the company is going to perform um, once once it's unbundled. We had a post listing valuation of about 23 Rand on the stock and it started off on 14 Rand and then just trended lower from there. Um, to the point where it was, it was trading at around a three times forward PE based on our calculations, which is exceptionally cheap and undervalues the the business meaningfully. Um, But I think that what we are seeing, particularly in the small cap and mid cap space, is that we're struggling to find incremental buyers. So um, people who come into the market and get excited about a story um, and really start buying those shares and bidding those shares higher to more reasonable valuations. Um, What's happening is what, what a catalyst then ends up being is either the company's reported, has had several good reporting periods. So where they report really strong numbers and the market starts taking notice or a, an international or bigger company comes and actually buys them out. And I think for, for Zida, one of one of those things could happen for it um, over the next year or two. Um, and in either event, I think investors will be able to benefit from um, a, a, a more realistic valuation being placed on the company.
0: Also interesting here is the debt that Zeta owes to Barlow world. Is that a barrier in any way in the valuation of the company? It is seen as intergroup, I think, is it?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, they the, part of the unbundling had this complicated debt structure, but um, Zeta is highly cash generative at the moment, so they're paying back that debt pretty quickly. And as they're paying back that debt, their finance costs come down and profitability pr- improves even more. I mean, when we made when, with our initial valuation, this wasn't something that that gave us sleepless nights, um, but it's definitely something that's cropped up in commentary um, when investors are talking about. So perhaps uh, for investors to gain more comfort, they want to see that debt pile come down um, quickly um, and meaningfully before they start getting involved in Zeta as a standalone entity.
0: Before we move away from this one, I'm keen to get your thoughts on new energy vehicles and Zeta's model. Um, At some point, uh, maybe not in the short term, but maybe the medium to long term, there may have to be a complete asset overhaul. Uh, I'm wondering if that's uh, something that is on investors' minds.
1: So I don't think it's something that investors are particularly concerned about at the moment. I mean, churn in these, um, these rental vehicles are quite high because no one wants to drive a really old car around um, when they go to, to a car rental company and it opens up the company to liability. So my thinking is that there'll be a gradual approach. So it will probably match market penetration locally. Um, so as we see market penetration for EVs pick up, hopefully because we have better electricity reliability, um, you should see that fleet uh, gradually also move into the, the EV space.
0: Interesting one. Let's move on now to Carp Agri. Uh, this is an agricultural company, but they've recently moved aggressively into fuel. It's a very interesting uh, you know, part of the business. Talk to us about it, Chantal.
1: Yeah, so it's more agri-retail and (laughs) it's more agri-retail focused and it's more fuel distribution and and retail fuel company now. So they have these big agri-mark stores in in rural areas in South Africa where they sell everything from um, jelly beans to irrigation supplies. So um, it's it's big box format. They also have an AgriExpress offering, which is a little bit smaller. But imagine builders warehouse, but catering to rural communities. That's basically what you are going to, to find um, within the, the AgriMark um, stores. They also do have a specialist um, irrigation business in there. And then this big growing fuel business where they've also been focusing on making acquisitions and um, taking it into the... 21st century by adding really good full courts and quick service restaurants as well so a very well diversified group a lot less exposed i think to the cyclicality in agriculture than what it used to be exposed to through the, the the fuel business but then of course in the fuel business um you do contend with um affordability during periods where fuel prices are are quite high so you could see volumes under pressure but um I think it's very well diversified now. Um, they don't have a whole lot of debt. They took on sub debt to make a very big acquisition more recently, yeah. but again, a very cash flush business, highly cash generative, and um, they should be able to pay down that debt pile uh, pretty quickly. For them, the share price performance has also been disappointing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Carb I listed well before it was unbundled from Zeda, and then again unbundled from PHG um, at around forty-five rand. And um, that was several years ago, and the stock is trading at about 37 Rand currently.
0: I must ask you about margins. Uh, in my mind, Do you have said that it's cash generative. Yeah, uh, in my mind, I possibly don't. Uh, I can't think of the margins when it comes to fuel uh, So maybe let's talk about that. And if this is a, a precarious place, if it's important for them to keep developing the value ads, the stores, the restaurants mm. um, in order for them to boost the margins from that fuel part of the business
1: yes absolutely because i mean i think fuel retail on its own is a, a low margin business but um once you get those value ads included i mean you can have pretty healthy margins in quick service restaurants and in forecourts. and i think that it is absolutely complementary from a margin perspective to look at that and Probably one of the reasons why the stock price has been under pressure um, in recent times as it's evolved its business model is because margins will naturally come under pressure because they've changed that business model Mm -hmm. towards a a more low-margin business. Um, But that doesn't mean that they are not Mm cash-generative. It just means that they're doing something slightly different. Um, A lot of companies in South Africa that perform exceptionally well and, and deliver very strong shareholder returns to investors are low margin businesses mm-hmm. think about food retailers for example mm-hmm. I mean you're not talking about 25 30 operating margins it is tight mm-hmm. um so you can still make money out of these sorts of businesses and the nice thing I think about fuel is that that retailer margin is is um it's sacrosanct it's it's set in stone so um there's no threat I think to that margin being eroded um on the fuel side at least
0: and let's move on now to cns i consider this one to be a bit of an underdog uh you know but a very very good company isn't it Chantel?
1: yes and the market woke up to the company more recently i was a little bit devastated because we had started initiating coverage on the company a few months ago Mm -hmm. um, and our analysts uh, really liked it but it took a while to get our to get our numbers out Mm -hmm. and and as we were waiting to get our report out they released results and the results were fantastic. And the market set up and noticed. And we saw a really, really nice um, rally in the share price um, after that. So um, CINS has such an interesting history because it was actually um, primarily based in Botswana. Mm-hmm. Um, it's listed in Botswana as well. Um, and when PSG took it over, they started looking at acquiring similar businesses in South Africa and elsewhere in Africa. Um, and what they do is they they warehouse, distribute and market fast-moving consumer goods on behalf of big FMCG or fast-moving consumer goods companies like Tiger Brands and Cadbury and... Um, but uh, Pioneer Foods, well, the PepsiCo. So yeah. so they have a very important job to do on the African continent because I don't think that it's very easy to move things around, particularly when you're looking at the cross-border movement mm. um, of goods and services. And of course, you have to service not only the formal retail sector, but also the informal retail, retail sector so very interesting that, that that they are exposed not only to SA but primarily based in botswana with a growing footprint elsewhere and a focus on going into east africa as well um, and i think it's a bit of a it's it's different for this company to to move into different areas of the african continent because they are they don't have to set up massive infrastructure to begin with um they can go in carefully they can make maybe a small acquisition with their very healthy balance sheets um, and take that approach.
0: So I must ask you, what's very interesting about this one is they were previously listed on the Cape Town Stock Exchange, then moved uh, to the JC, something you don't hear about often anymore. Really, you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about that, you know, the decision for management uh, to move in this direction. Was it for capital raising? And also, um, they may maybe understanding the prestige of the company and the stock. Yes, yeah, so I think that this was
1: a an experiment from PSG Group. Mm. So um, PSG Group um, owned the majority of CA and S. Um, and I think that they just wanted to test the Cape Town Stock Exchange, perhaps as an alternative to the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, because we know that the PSG Group management fell out of love with the JSE because of the compliance burden and all the rest of it, which is one of the reasons why they delisted so I think that it was a they were kind of testing it out. And then when they decided that they were going to delist PhD Group and unbundle everything in there that was listed to shareholders, um, it was natural for c and S to move from Cape Town to Johannesburg because most of PhD Group's um, shareholders were in Johannesburg. Um, CA and S management have mentioned that um, they, do, they do enjoy the fact that they have a lot more visibility um, being listed on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, even though they also mentioned that. The the compliance burden and the cost of being listed on the day still remains
0: a a bit of an issue. It's very interesting. Times Before uh, we move on from here, of course, we've mentioned that it is a consumer goods company, but it isn't consumer facing, is it necessarily? Not directly. And I'm wondering if that also makes it a little bit more defensive uh, than uh, any of its clients uh, that you might uh, be able to invest in.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think that they are kind of a go-between, right? Um, and th- yeah, I think you you have to be you have to be quite careful as to uh, how defensive they can be. So I think that they are probably a little bit more defensive than the food producers um, because uh, they are, um, I, I guess, because particularly in the markets that they operate, they they don't really have much competition and it's quite an effort to change your distribution and logistics and marketing provider so i think that they're a little bit more defensive there and then probably equally as defensive as the the actual retailers that they um that they move the products into um but yeah i mean i think that they've held up quite well over the last few years. During COVID, they also traded quite well. Um, There was definitely a dip, but I think it was in line with what you saw from the food producers. Um, They haven't been listed that long, so I think time will tell once we get into a a really nice upswing um, whether or not that defensiveness actually hinders them a little bit um, when we get to more supportive macro conditions.
0: Austin, Southall, are the benefit of our retail investors? Let's rank these from one to three um, in the order that you'd buy them. So
1: Zita has recovered quite nicely recently, but it's still exceptionally undervalued. So Zita would be my, my number one choice at the moment. Um, and then I've got a difficult choice between Carp Agri and, um, and C&S. We did a valuation on CNS and it's more or less fair value at the moment, so I'd be comfortable holding it, but I won't necessarily add to my position right now, um, whereas COP I agree, I think it's also quite cheap, but um, it, they, it, it's difficult for investors to I think trust that they'll be able to um, do a lot with the business that they that they have right now. Um, I still trust the team there. I think that they are going to surprise the market, especially with a much stronger agricultural output this year than what we initially anticipated. So my rank is going to be number one Zita, number two Carb Agri and number 3 Cales.
0: Fantastic. And of course, our educational term today is warrant. And I think uh, you told us that that's uh, on the back of what's happening with Richmond. So let's talk about that.
1: Yes. So we have gotten a lot of questions from clients around the the Richmond warrants that they received in their accounts a a few years back. Um, Richemont, instead of paying a dividend, gave shareholders these warrants. And what a warrant is, is it basically gives you the right, but not the obligation to buy new shares in the company, at a lower price so they've got a specific price at which you can buy it um, depending on market movements it'll be high or low but in this case at a lower price now the warrants have value so they also trade on the JSE, and you can sell these warrants whenever you want um, and basically the the warrants and the the strike price so the price at which you can exercise um or you can buy these new Richmond um shares should add up to the current Richmond share price and at the moment, they more or less do. So it's very important whether or not you sell them or you decide to exercise them and buy more Richmond shares that you don't just let them lapse because they have value. So make your decision. Are you going to sell them in the market, get money and buy something else or even buy Richmond shares with them? Or are you going to hold on and add additional cash um, to buy more Richmond shares?
0: Very interesting. A one I've never heard of before, Chantal. Thank you so much for talking to us today. It's always a pleasure having you on Stock Picks with us. That was Chantal Marks from B Wealth and in Investments with your Tuesday edition of Stock Picks.